Welcome to the Digital Workplace Deep Dive. I'm your host, Weston Morris. This is the third in a series of podcasts where we are sharing some of the lessons learned in getting 93% of our employees working from home in just a few days as a result of the COVID pandemic. In part one, I spoke with the Unisys CISO, Matt Newfield, about how he keeps tens of thousands of employees secure while they're working from home. In part two, I spoke with Matt's counterpart, the Unisys CIO, Upinder Fanda, about some of the changes that he made in IT services in the months leading up to the pandemic that actually turned out to be very helpful in enabling employees to work from home. So if you missed those first two podcasts, I I recommend going back and checking them out after you've listened to this episode. Because in this podcast, I'm returning to the Unisys CISO, Matt Newfield, to talk about the human aspect of working from home. Matt, thanks so much for coming back a second time to talk about an aspect of IT that I think often is overlooked, the human side. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate you taking the time for this conversation. Now, since we last spoke, I've been looking at a quote you gave to Dark Reading. Speaking about the mass mobilization of employees to work from home, you said this, many organizations are having to face the reality that this is a human business. I think that quote is a great place for us to start talking about the human side of security, especially for people working from home. Yeah, everything we've been talking about, while it has a technology flair, it is to enable the human side of our business. Telling everybody work from home and yelling hurrah, everybody's working from home is not always the right thing to do. What about those people that don't have the capability to get on the internet? Don't have a place that they can actually work from. You know, live in homes that may have more people than there are rooms. You know, what about the children, all your kids being home and those kinds of things? I think people just generally didn't think about and they should start thinking about when they're doing human preparedness. I'm imagining someone who may have never worked from home and they've probably not given much thought to the security of their home network. Now, all of a sudden, we're relying on this person to make sure they don't compromise the entire enterprise while working from home. Uh, The last time we spoke, we talked about getting the technology secure, but how do we help the human be secure? I am a huge believer that you cannot forget that there are individuals, there are human beings sitting behind these machines, no matter what industry you're really in. So we're always trying to find ways to make sure that human side is is taken care of. There are a lot of recommendations we can make, a lot of more technical recommendations, but they help protect the person. Actually, I'll give you a few that I'm recommending to people that are are starting to work from home a lot more than they may be used to. A lot of people have set up, for example, um, home routers, cable modems, wireless access points. And for a lot of people, they got it from whatever company they bought the service from. They plugged it in and they were off to the races. Well, they need to understand that most of those devices were shipped in an easy-to-configure, easy-to-deploy, easy-to-manage capacity, which is the antithesis of a secure system. So they should be looking at, what wireless access point do I have? If I live in a highly populated area, do I still have the default password set on my wireless access point? Do I have the default password set? on my home router? 
or any of my systems that I may have bought from a big box store or a big website. So going through and making sure you've secured those, and there are plenty of guides out there on how to uh, secure those. Even the manufacturers of those devices, so you can look and see what manufacturer you have, you should go to their website and follow their process for securing those things. One of the corporate security mantras has been, thou shalt have a complex password and change it every 90 days or something like that. <laughs> now, in my experience, when that's been imposed, employees do a couple of things. They may come up with a complex password that meets the rules, but they will use that same password on multiple sites. Exactly. Or uh, perhaps they will write it down on a sticky note on the underside of a keyboard. <laughs> so how important is it for an enterprise to spend time training and educating employees about passwords? You should start really thinking more about your password stance on your personal life. There are going to be a lot of attacks against us as people. You're going to see a huge increase in phishing and vishing attacks against you, especially in this COVID world that we're living in right now. And people need to be very, very careful on what they're doing, what they're clicking on, what they're responding to, and what sites, to your point, you're going to. And if you're using shared passwords between these sites, now's the time to change that behavior. There's a lot of password or passphrase methodologies that are out there that can help you have a very secure password that you don't need to change every week or every two weeks or every 30 days that will secure you so that if you happen to be utilizing a web service that gets breached, the odds of them cracking your password from that breach can be very small. So just to recap, Matt, we've been talking about the need to spend time training home workers about the security of their home network. That's right. And we've talked about the importance of training on complex passwords. Right. So what else should we consider relating to the human side of working from home? We need to start using some of the video capabilities that are out there. A lot of people don't want to turn their cameras on because their hair may be messed up or they didn't want to shave that day <laughs> or for myriad of reasons, even to the point of I may have my children running around in the background of my office. I think we as a society, and that is a global statement, need to also understand that people are forced into situations that are not always congruent with a professional work experience. And we need to give each other a break on that. I was on a call the other day and there was music playing in the background. And I, I asked the individual I was speaking to, I'm like, I can't hear you. Could you turn down that radio? And they apologized and said, look, that's, that's not the radio. That's my children practicing their musical instruments. I'm sorry. And I said, oh, no, 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 there's nothing you need to do. Can you just move the mic closer to your mouth then so I can hear you? And I think there's a tendency for some of us to step back and go, that's unprofessional. But that's the wrong attitude, right? We all have different scenarios. We may not have the luxury of having our own office. We may have to share offices with, you know, siblings, with spouses, with relatives, uh, we may have to do these meetings from bedrooms, kitchens, front porches, where you're not always in the best business scenario. And I think ultimately we need to give each other a break. 
and hopefully have a little bit of levity around it so that, you know, we can continue. I fully agree. I was in a meeting with one of my colleagues. Uh, she's the director over our user experience in our digital workplace services. And she's been working from home as I have for years, I'll say. But now the schools are closed and her kids are home with her as well. So she sent out a picture to the whole team, says, here's what I'm dealing with. Here's my process for handling it. She's got a glass door coming into her office and she has cut out basically a, a traffic signal. It's a red construction paper, yellow construction paper, and green. Red meaning, hey, don't come in here unless it's a super emergency and you've already talked to dad and and he's the emergency. <laughs> then you're allowed in, you know, yellow a little bit less strict and green. Of course, you know, I'm not in the middle of a call. You can come in if it's something important with your schoolwork during these hours. But yeah, I think that illustrates exactly what you're talking about, the need to think about the human side of things here. And And hopefully if she is on a conference call where video is enabled, she would tell that story because it's a great story, right? And she would probably be much more understanding if the person that she was talking to over video or not over video had children running around the background or a spouse walk in on them, because it doesn't have to be a negative. It's not unprofessional. It's just reality. Hey, one other aspect of the human side of things, uh, thinking about security, I just want to know if you were behind this, Matt. So the other day, you know, this is about the time of year bonuses were being announced and I received an email and it looked like it came from Unisys HR. And I was looking at it going, man, this is the most poorly worded HR email. There's a, there's a grammar error in here. I'm going to send them a note. This is terrible. And I didn't hover over the link or anything. I just directly clicked on it and it said, yeah, this was an internal phishing test. And, and you failed. <laughs> so you slapped my hand, right. but it was great. I'm going, oh my goodness. I always thought, I'm too smart for that. I always hover over the link. I always check it. But no, that got me, right? And I was somewhat pleased that it got me because I'm thinking this is a really good program that is in place here at Unisys of this regular testing of how susceptible any of us are to phishing. So is that a program that you put into place? And, and if so, can you talk more about it? It is. And, and I'll, I'll take a, a, a slightly different stance. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but my background's actually in psychology. Okay, That's what I studied in school. It was not cyber technology. So, you know, I always love the conversation, the human side of things. It's not a testing. I'm not testing the staff, the associates and our leadership on whether or not you're going to fail. Because I come at it knowing you are going to fail these tests. What we're trying to do is educate. What we're trying to do is show how easy it is for people to fall victim to a phishing attack from something as easy as the email we sent, right, to even much more hard to figure out spear phishing attacks that could easily look like they're coming from our chairman or our president and COO. We want people to start seeing these from an educational perspective. It's not a pass-fail because ultimately what it's going to do for you is help you build muscle memory. And that's the key thing. If we send these uh, out enough, people are going to start remembering. They don't want to get that little failure, uh, that you know, extra test. They don't want the lessons. They don't want to fall victim ultimately to a criminal act. So what we're hoping to see is through the education program, fewer and fewer people will fall victim. 
And why I love this so much, we have all of these controls in place. Should you fall victim within the corporation using a corporate asset? But what about if you would click that link on your personal machine, on your personal email account? What controls do you have in place on laptops and desktops, iPads and Android devices that are not managed by the corporation? Do you have antivirus? Do you have EDR solutions? Do you have disk encryption? Do you have DLP solutions? And for most people, the answer is no. So you don't have the technical controls in place in your personal life. And our hope is that through this constant education in your corporate life, you'll be just as paranoid in your personal life not to simply click links, uh -huh. not to simply reply to emails that don't sound right and understand that there's probably not a prince or princess in another country that needs 500 bucks to send you a million dollars. Or your friend is probably not stranded in another country and you probably should call their known mobile number to make sure everything's okay before wiring them cash. That's the goal. I'm just going to quote one more thing that you mentioned in this one article. You provide a list of questions. This is talking to you know, an enterprise, how do you protect the people that work for you and with you? How do you ensure that you're doing all the right things? And then you state, these are questions people should have been asking during their preparedness training and not waiting until a real event. Uh, and that's the end of the quote. And the real event, of course, now being, you know, the pandemic that we're in here now. So what kind of recommendations do you have for an enterprise that perhaps have not thought about massive amounts of their employees working from home, what are some things that you would guide them to move towards in a way that you're balancing security with speed in enabling a, a remote digital workplace that is also secure? So there are a couple things that you, you brought up here, and I'll try to cover them both. When it comes to preparedness, one of the areas that I see too many companies not include in not only the preparedness, but their incident or crisis management teams is your human resource organization. Bringing the human resource organization in hopefully will bring a different perspective. Because to something you said early on in this conversation, we talk a lot about technology, but we don't always talk about the human side of that. And your HR organization should be able to bring that human touch in, right? Again, it's very easy for us to go, check, we gave you a laptop, check, we're going to authorize you to work from home. But you may not think that people may not have a good place to go to. And HR should really be able to help you in your preparedness conversations so that you're not trying to deal with those situations when you're dealing with a pandemic. And I think that to me is a key area that's lacking. Again, we, we talk about the buildings, we talk about the, the tech, we talk about the assets, but we don't really talk about the humans behind it. I also think on a semi-regular basis, you should bring in some end users into your pandemic or your incident response or your crisis management training. Whatever preparedness you're doing, has anybody ever talked to the employee that lives in a remote location on what they experience? 
Do you believe that you sitting in your office in whatever city you may be in, do you have a full understanding of what it's like not to live in that city? <laughs> so I personally do not live in the city. I live out in the middle of nowhere, right? Has anybody thought about what connectivity may be like for someone like that? And I think that's key. And by bringing them in, hopefully it can help change your process, some of your policies, and maybe some of the technology you use. So do you give people satellite internet capability should they be really truly in a remote place or a MiFi style device so that they can connect to the internet over cellular? So it can really help you start thinking much differently. And I feel very lucky and blessed here at Unisys because we have an executive team that believes in these things. So we didn't wait for a crisis to start really walking through and making sure we had all of the components needed for people around the world. I think if our listeners have been taking notes, they, they could have easily captured between 10 and 20 different tips on how to think about security while they're enabling remote workers and also how to balance the speed with which they want to move forward with security. You made a statement earlier about the CISO in many organizations viewed as the office of no. Exactly. <laughs> no, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. And so maybe one more comment you could make is how do you make it the office of yes and an office of enablement? It's very difficult for a lot of people to move from the office of no to the office of yes. It's a, it's a difficult mind switch. So one of the ways that I, I try to help people that are trying to move towards that goal is don't say no, say no, but. If you get a request inside of the organization to do something that you are fundamentally against for solid reasons, give alternatives. There are always alternatives. I believe in something called the Olympic method. And the Olympic method means there are choices for every problem, for every vulnerability, for every situation. There are multiple possibilities on how to address that. Generally, there's a gold, there's a silver, and there's a bronze choice. So when someone presents something to me that I am fundamentally against, we work very hard to give them choices back. If you have Unlimited amount of money, resources, and time. Let's go with the gold choice. Here's a gold choice for you. If you need to go really quickly, the bare bones minimum thing I recommend you do and still win is the bronze choice. I would like to steer you towards the silver choice, which is that middle of the road choice that balances the two. And what I found by doing that and by changing our mentality to provide choices back to the business um, and to the requester, people stopped coming at us as you always tell us why we can't do things. And now we get viewed as the enabler of secure business outcomes. And it's that piece that really puts a smile on my face because I want the business to be successful, obviously but I want it to be successful securely. And this is like a full circle back to how we started this conversation. When we had to move everybody, luckily we had thought about all the security aspects in advance, but because I was invited as part of the core team for our crisis management around this, 
we did this securely. We did not have to deal with doing things that I was fundamentally against that, uh, against that could expose this corporation and our associates to significant risk both now and in the future. Whoa. While chatting here, Matt, it looks like you've just sent me a link to a couple of items. Um, I just forwarded it to you. Let me pull them up. So the first one is a link to a video that you created on how to create an easy to remember but complex password. That sounds like a contradiction in terms. Right. And the second one is uh, looks like an infographic on good cyber hygiene, something that uh, people could use working from home. I'd like to put links to both of these on the Digital Workplace Deep Dive homepage uh, for our podcast. I'm just wondering, are these just for work or can our listeners use them for their home use as well? The short video we've created, I hope would be very helpful to all of the listeners as well as their friends, their families. It should be spread around the world. Um, there is a really nice one-page infographic that goes along that will also post for people. And it has nothing to do with any services of our organization. It has just everything to do with, in my opinion, very good cyber hygiene and a way to protect yourself, your family, your friends, as well as the company. Well, we've been listening to Matt Newfield, the Chief Information and Security Officer for Unisys. As he's explained, the importance of focusing on the human side of security for our home workers. Matt, thanks for giving us some time today. It was my pleasure. I really do appreciate the opportunity. I hope you have a great day. And we hope all of our listeners stay safe in this time of difficulty. You've been listening to the Digital Workplace Deep Dive. I'm your host, Weston Morris. Thanks for listening.